Thanks for tuning in to the Harvest Springs weekly podcast. Every week we'll provide you with the weekend message from our Sunday service. Good morning. How is everybody doing this morning? Well, I am Neil Hancock. I'm the student and family pastor here at Harvest Springs, and I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. It is my privilege to be able to bring God's word to you this morning and be able to share this time with you. We're in the middle of this series called Church in the Hood, thus the logo up on the screen if you didn't know it. We're in this series called Church in the Hood, and we're talking all about different things in our neighborhood and the different ministries and things that we're involved with. And it's my privilege to be able to talk to you this morning. And but I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but some of the largest population of people in our neighborhood are actually kids and students. And so uh, with that said, I want to ask a couple questions this morning. How many parents do we have in the room with the raise of hands? How many parents in the room? Go ahead. Some parents are like, I don't know if I want to admit I'm a parent or not. I'm just going to do half. I'm going to be like a half parent right here today. All right. How many grandparents in the room? How many grandparents? So the grandparents shoot their hand up right away. They're like, I'm a grandparent. They're not, they're not afraid. All right. How many teachers in the room? How many teachers? Any teachers? All right. How about, how about anybody? Maybe you are uh, someone who uh, works with kids or students in some form or or way, or you have some sort of direct influence over kids and students. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So I have a, some follow-up questions for those of you who just raised your hands to one or more of those questions. And here it is. How many of you feel like you have lost your marbles because of working with kids and students or working with your own? Yeah. I don't know. It's, sometimes it happens, right? You can admit it. I, I know I have. How many, of you, how many of you feel like you've lost some marbles this week? How many of you feel like you've lost some marbles this week? How many of you feel like you've lost some marbles just, uh, just trying to keep up with the language of the next generation? Like you're trying to figure out what in the world are they saying? I don't know. Like my shirt I have on, it says yeet. That's a word for our next generation, people. Yeet. Y-E-E-T, right there, yeet. It means like, if you're, you can, they use it for like excitement, or if you throw something, be like, yeet, and you throw something, or you just get excited, yeet. That's, that's a word, yeet. Also, cap, no cap. And it has nothing to do with the hat on my head. Cap, no cap, right? That's, that's some words in the next generation. How many of you losing your marbles just trying to keep up with this language, right? It's hard to keep up with this language and and then they start talking in text speak and I know some of it but then some of it I'm like what does this mean I don't know you guys are making me lose marbles how many of you if you're really being honest you've lost some marbles just trying to get to church this morning you're like I'm losing my marbles right right we all feel this way sometimes don't we we all feel that way one time or another so today I'm going to be speaking about kids and student ministry and why it is so important. However, I want to let you know, I want to encourage you that whether you are a parent in the room or a grandparent or a teacher or someone who who is already serving in kids or student ministry or not, no matter who you are, 
this message still applies to you today. So do not take this time to nap so that you'll be able to stay up late when fireworks are going off later tonight at your house until 2 or 3 a.m., all right? So don't, don't take this time to nap. I know when I first moved here from Georgia and Florida on the East Coast, I was like, wait a second, you mean I have to, fireworks don't start until after 10 p.m.? I'm like, yeah, that's late. And you mean here in Great Falls, fireworks go on for the whole year? And it sounds like there's a bomb going off your house? Oh, yeah, that's good. All right, I like that. So no sleeping. This message is for you. I promise this message will affect each and every one of us. Some of you may know this already who know me well, but some of you may not. But I am super passionate about kids and students. I'm super passionate about kids and students. I love being involved in kids and student ministry. I have been for 20 plus years now. So maybe I'm a little biased when I say that I think that kids and student ministry is the most important ministry in the church. That's what I feel. Maybe some other people don't think that. This guy got to my back right here. I like it. Thank you, sir. But I do. I believe that. And maybe after today, you'll have a little bit more of a feeling of why I believe what I believe and why I think that kids and student ministry is so important and how we need to reach our next generation. I'll tell you a little bit about my story. See, I began my journey as a follower of Christ, and I took my very first steps towards Jesus at the age of seven. And then it was around the age of 16 that I felt the call to serve in ministry. Although I didn't really know at the time, I didn't really know what what exactly that meant. I didn't really know what all God had in store for me at the young age of 16, but the call was very real nonetheless. And it took a lot of key people. There were several key people in my life that helped lead me and guide me towards Jesus from a very young age. First was my Nana. My Nana was the biggest spiritual influence in my life. See, I was very young when my mom had me and my my Nana wasn't just my grandmother, but in a lot of ways, she was also a mother role as well at the same time because of how young my mom was when she had me. And my Nana just had this great influence in my life. She was such a great person, and, and she had a profound impact in my life and many other people's lives as well. In fact, I say this very often. I say it to my students and kids a lot of times when I talk about her, but I wish that every single person in this room, I wish every single person that I've ever come into contact with, I wish that they could have met her and had a little, spent a little bit of time with her, and you could have seen the impact that she could have in your life too. Because many people may have not seen her as a leader and, the, and the, the way that most people look at people and say, oh, that's a leader. She was very much a leader. She was very much one of the strongest people I've ever met in my entire life. And she had such a 
big impact spiritually in my life. And then there was my papa. Yep, I had a nana and a papa. And my papa was also a huge influence in my life. See, he taught me very, he taught me so many things about about lots of different things. If, if you knew my papa, he liked to talk and talk and talk. And he taught me so many different things. And, and most of them stuck. Some of them didn't, like working on cars. I still to this day have no idea. I can open up the hood and be like, yep, there's a motor in there. I don't know what to do with it. I turn the key and it starts. That's right. That's what I do. So he tried to teach me things about cars. That didn't quite stick. But he taught me very many other things that, that did stick like what it means to be a man, like what it means to, to pray and how to pray. He taught me, he taught me what it means to be a servant. I saw, I saw him many times just literally give the shoes off his feet, the shirt off his back. He was one of the most giving and most servant hearted people I've ever met in my life. One time at a garage sale, a guy walked up and and uh, was talking, and he was walking in the garage sale. He bought a couple little things, and was just talking. And the guy was like, somehow the conversation got to where he didn't have a vehicle. And my grandfather walked in the house, grabbed some keys, gave him his vehicle. Taught me what it meant to, to be giving person. And then there was a handful of pastors in my life that really took the time to be present in my life and to lead me, to point me. These weren't perfect men, but these were men that, that took the time to be there for me and to lead me towards Christ. Men like Pastor Scott, Pastor Terry, Pastor Dave, who was my youth pastor. And then another Pastor Terry we had on staff as well. And these men plugged into my life and they spent time with me. They read God's word with me. They, they led me to be who I am today. See, because without these people praying for me, helping to guide me, and, and, and to lead me, I wouldn't be here on this stage this morning. I just wouldn't. See, these people knew the importance of Proverbs chapter 21. 22 verse 6. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 says this. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. How many of you have heard this scripture before? Yeah, many of us have heard this scripture before. Those of you who've been around Harvest Springs for any amount of time, and we used to have it actually all over our wall downstairs. Um, for a while, we had this scripture up on the wall. And this scripture is a great scripture, and a lot of some, I think sometimes people have even thought of it as a promise. And while I don't think of it as a promise, in the in the way that if you were to train a child up and you were to spend time with him and and teach him, that there is a one hundred percent guarantee that no matter what, that he will follow Jesus when he gets older. I don't see it as a promise in that way because we've all seen people that maybe have been raised up in the church and, and then been led well, well by their parents and others, and they've walked away. But what I do see, and I do believe strongly, is that the stronger the foundation, 
that you build in the hearts and the minds of our kids, the better the chance is that they will follow Jesus when they get older. The stronger the foundation that is laid in a kid's life as they're younger, the better chance they have that when they get older, they'll be following Jesus as well. See, I I knew this because this is actually true in my own life. There was a time period in my life where, where I actually got a little off track. I got a little lost and I walked away to try to do my own thing. I wanted to see if I could just do things my way and, and, and have a little fun and do things the way I wanted them to do, the way I thought they should go. I had a plan and I thought it was a good one. But because of that foundation, that strong foundation that had been built in my life from a very young age by those people that I mentioned earlier and even more than that as well, I never got too lost. And and I found my way back to the place that I had been shown from a very young age. But that's just my story. What, what What about the millions of others? What about those people? You see, research has shown that two-thirds of Christians come to faith before the age 18. Two-thirds. 43% come to Christ by the age of 12. And only about 25% of believers come to Christ after the age of 21. Now, we know that, that there are some variations to the rule, and, and this doesn't mean just because 25% of believers come to Christ after the age of 21 that we stop ministering to, to adults or to young adults, or we don't do that. That's not, what, that's not what I'm trying to say here. What I am saying is that we can see that if 75% or around that come to Christ before the age of 21. That is why kids and student ministry is so important. Because it's in these short 18 years that a person has the foundation set for them of what they will believe. It's it's in those short 18 years that they they start to gain knowledge and the knowledge is accumulated from school and other things like that. It's in this short 18 years that they start to develop the morals that they will have. And it's in these short 18 years that they begin to determine who they are. And if you don't believe that our culture is trying to fight for the hearts and the minds of our youth and trying to lead them toward an identity that they want them to have, then you haven't been playing, paying close enough attention. But we as parents, we as leaders, and we as the church, we need to be fighting harder for the hearts and the minds of our kids. We have to be showing them that their identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. One of my favorite scriptures when it comes to kids and student and family ministry and parenting 
is actually found in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, reads this way. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on doorposts of your house and on your gates. This was God's command to to his people to be leading their kids toward him. You can hear the language that is used in these verses to be talking about him when, when you're in the house, to be talking about him as they travel, as they lie down, as they get up. In other words, all the time. See, I believe that time is the resource that we waste the most. Time is the most wasted resource that we have. (sighs) I'm not sure though. In this waste of time, I'm not sure that we are fully aware or, or that the, even the ordinary things, the ordinary things that we do every week will eventually matter one day, especially for our youth. If you're here this morning and you're listening online or you're sitting here this morning, it's most likely because some adult somewhere cared enough to be present in your life. And if someone gave you enough time and attention to help you to get where you are, then why wouldn't you do the same for some sweaty, sticky, smelly, snotty, snobby, selfish, stubborn child who acts just the way you did when you were that age? That's why I said that today this message is not just for parents or for those who are already in uh, children ministry or teachers or leaders. It's not just for them because all of us can make a difference. We can all be present for the next generation. Even if you are a part of the next generation, you can be present in the lives of your peers You can be present in the lives of those in the next generation that are younger than you. Everyone in here, we can all be present in the lives of the next generation. This week, some of you will ride a bike, cook a meal, host a party, throw a ball, change a diaper, sing a song, play a game, Tuck someone in, say a prayer, go to church, 
see a movie, take a walk, tell a story, have a conversation, or take a trip. And if we're being honest, it can be easy to wonder if any of this kind of stuff really even matters. We may think it's, it's just expected. It, it's part of our role or something that we just do every week. Because in our real mundane world, these tasks seem unremarkable, ordinary, or routine. But what if we started to look at our time a little differently? What if we started to see time through a different set of eyes? What if we began to see that what we do this week and next week and every week actually matters? Because time over time you are making a permanent imprint on the soul of a child. You're leaving a legacy. Maybe it's time that we get more serious about our time. Maybe it's time that we get more serious about our time. In these jars, between the two of them, there are 936 marbles. 936. I know because I counted each and every one. Took a while. (laughs) Because, you know, I'm not very good at math. I had to start over a few times. I'm like, wait, what number was that? Oh, man, pour them all out. Count again. 936 marbles between these two jars. 936 is the estimated number of weeks between birth and high school graduation or or until they reach the age of 18. 936 weeks from birth until the age of 18. That's what these marbles represent, and that's what that number is. So guess what? We really are losing our marbles. If you began to remove at birth of your child and you began to remove one marble each week until the age of 18, you would literally see the weeks go away one by one by one. You may be thinking, well, that's a stupid idea. I already have enough pressure. I can't wait to just be reminded every day that I'm running out of time with my kids. And maybe there is a, maybe there is a downside to creating a marble countdown, countdown clock like this, which, by the way, I did not make this up. This is made up through the orange curriculum and things that we use. They created this a long time ago. And they created a marble countdown clock. It's not my creation, but you know, almost every good idea is borrowed from someone else, right? 
And maybe there is a downside to creating a marble countdown clock like this. Things like depression, guilt, anxiety. But here's what also usually happens. When you see how much time you have left, you tend to do more with the time you have now. I'm going to say that again, and I believe it'll be up on the screens behind me. When you see how much time you have left, you tend to do more with the time you have now. Does this mean that we have to make every second count and turn every minute into a teaching opportunity and keep a daily journal to record all of it? Uh, nope. I mean, not unless you want to drive yourself and everyone else around you totally crazy. But, it, but what if we as parents, what if we as leaders in the church, what if we as the church did something a little more practical? What if we decided to make history one week at a time? What if we started to do that? You'd be amazed at what could happen in a week. You see, a lot, a lot of things can happen in a week. Just think of what happened this past week here at Harvest Springs when we had our VBS. Last week, over 260 kids came through these doors and on this campus, and they got to hear that God knows them. They got to hear that they belong that they can be forgiven, that they can change, and that they can make a difference. Last week, we had over 140 volunteers show up and be present in the lives of the kids that were here. These 140 plus volunteers plugged into each one of these kids, loving on them, even though they were exhausted and hot, to show them how much God loves them and to point them towards Christ. Last week on Wednesday night, I stood right here on this stage and watched a room full of kids and saw over 100 kids raise their hands to take their next step towards Christ. So yes, a lot can happen in a week. So what would happen if we began to keep track of the time that we had left to make a significant impact on a young person that's in your life before they reach the age of 18? See, I believe that if you count the weeks, you can make them count. If you count the weeks, then you'll make them count. The weeks will fly by, and you'll lose track of them from time to time. Trust me, I know that all full well, probably more than most, I think, just feels like it. See, when our daughter was born, Alyssa, when she was born not too long, 
Her birthday's coming up this month in July. And when she was born, I still remember that day. We had 936 weeks left. She was born. It was a hot day in July in Georgia. And uh, it was, she was so beautiful. And I remember when she came out and we were crying and we were so excited. We had 936 weeks left. This is how many weeks I have left now. You can see the difference. It's quite a difference. 936 weeks to, to begin. Now I have 55. I've lost a lot of marbles. 881 to be exact. I would love to stand here and tell you that I've made every single one of those 881 weeks, 881 marbles, that I've made every single one of them count. But I can't say that. I've made some mistakes. I've lost count at times. And I've wasted the valuable resource that we've talked about called time. But I plan to make every single one of these 55 marbles count. I got 55 weeks left until she turns 18 and she becomes an adult. And I plan to count each one of those weeks and I plan to make each one of those weeks count. See, we live in a culture where time really isn't valued that much. We live in a culture where there isn't, there isn't much patience, and we want what we want, and we want it now. But God doesn't seem to operate in the same microwave, instapot culture that we've created, does he? Have you ever stopped to think that maybe God established time as a platform so that, we, that he could communicate something to us that's so complex that it needed to be, to be presented to us strategically over time? Why didn't God send Jesus after Adam and Eve ate the fruit? He could have resolved the right then and there, but he waited. He used time. He gave Abraham a son. He let Joseph sit in jail. He sent Moses to deliver a nation. He let a nation wander in the desert for decades. Have you ever wondered why? It was, as if, it was as if God decided, I can help you understand something with time that you would never really comprehend and understand in a moment. So if our Heavenly Father uses time to clarify and solidify certain values in our hearts over time, 
then maybe that's the best way that we can cultivate what matters most in the hearts of our kids and the kids that we leave and that we lead and serve as well. See, the most significant gifts that we can give the next generation are what we give them over time. That makes that what you do this week and the week after that and the week after that strategic. As parents and leaders, it's important that we realize that there are certain things that can only be communicated and understood and discovered over time. Remember, we don't experience worth because we were loved once or we were told, I love you once, but because we are loved by someone over time. We're not motivated by action by just one single phrase, but by words that are given to us and encouraged in our lives over time. We don't understand the world through one single event, but through a collection of stories over time. We don't know that we belong or feel like we belong because we received one invitation to something, but because we have been welcomed into a group or a tribe over time. We don't discover how to live in a moment, but we live when we experience the joys of life over time. Remember what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll read it again. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. How? Diligently. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on doorposts of your home and on your gates. Church, we have to be talking about Jesus to the next generation. We have to. And not just here in this building. That's great. We want the next generation to be here on Sundays both downstairs and the Harvest Kids and up here. We want the next generation to be here for things like VBS and other events. We want them to be here on Wednesday nights for youth. But it can't just be in this building. We have to be talking to them about Jesus in our homes, in our cars, as we travel, when we go to bed, when we get up, and everywhere in between. That's why what we do here in Harvest Kids and Harvest Youth is so important. We are doing what we can to make each and every week count for our students and kids. We want to help point the next generation towards Christ and help them to take their next steps towards him. And we want to help equip parents and leaders with what, what they need, the tools that they need to be able to 
make each week count for their kids and for those that are in their circle of influence. See, because whether we realize it or not, whether we want to or not, we are losing marbles. The question is, what are you doing to make it count? What are you doing to make it count? What are you going to do this week to make it count in the life of someone in the next generation that is in your circle? What are you going to do? Remember, what you do this week matters. I thought we would close today in a little bit of a different way. It's not going to be any music. The band's not going to come up. But we're going to pray. Because remember I said that we need to be fighting for the hearts and the minds of our kids. We need to be fighting for the next generation. The best way I know how to fight is on my knees. So that's what my grandfather taught me, my papa that we were talking about earlier. I would go in when I would be visiting his house and I would go in at night, say goodnight to them. And I would see my grandfather on his knees by his bed with my Nana, holding hands and fighting for my heart, for the hearts of the other kids at my at our church, kids in our neighborhood. He taught me how to fight. Not with my fists, but with my prayers. That's the best place to start, I believe, for us today. Is to end this service by fighting for the next generation. So I'd like to ask that everyone would bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to think of at least one person of the next generation that's in your circle of influence. Think of one person that's in the next generation that, that you have contact with. Think of them by name. Think of their face. And then I want you to fight for them. I want you to ask God to help them be bold. Because church, that's what we need to do. So I'm going to ask you to do that, and then I'm going to close us in prayer, but let's take a few moments to fight for our next generation. Heavenly Father, we come before you now and we lift up the next generation to you.
God, we lift up those students and those kids that are in our, our circle of influence, God, and we ask that you would help them to follow you. God, we, we, we want to fight for their hearts, God, because we know that each and every day that they get up, this world is fighting for their hearts, that's fighting for their attention, God, and they're fighting hard and they're fighting loud. God, we ask that you would help us to, to fight harder, to be a louder voice in their life, God. They've got so many voices yelling at them. God, we ask that you would help us as a church, us as leaders, us as parents, us as teachers, God, that we would, we would be the, the louder voice in their, their lives, God, that are pointing them towards you. God, help us to fight hard. God, we ask that you would, you would forgive us because we, if we're being honest, God, we know that we've wasted a lot of time. That we've, that we've lost track from time to time of, of what's really important. So God, bring us back to what's important. God, help us to lead our next generation well and to point them towards you, Jesus, helping them to take their next steps towards you. God, we need your help. Lead us well so that we can lead them well. God, we pray that, that these young men and women would, would be bold for you, that they would be unashamed of you and your gospel that they would go out in their community and talk to their peers and lead them towards you as well. God, that you would raise up young men and women who would raise up other young men and women who will follow you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you help us to follow you better tomorrow than we did today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's it for today. We're, we're so glad that you joined us today. Thank you for being here this morning. If you're here this morning and, and, and you, maybe you haven't taken a step towards Christ and this morning you want to talk about that and you want to do that same thing that I did at age seven and I take a step towards him, or maybe you want to talk about how you can be involved in helping the next generation. We'd be glad to talk with you. We'd be glad to pray with you. We'll be in the lobby. If you want to give, our giving kiosk is right there on the way out as you, as you go past the doors. We're so glad that you took time on this holiday to be here, and uh, we want to celebrate with you. And so we're having a cookout. It's going to be, they probably already started cooking. We're going to have some good food. We're going to have some games outside for everyone, whether you're an adult or a kid. We're going to have some bounce houses. We're going to have a dunk tank, which I'm sure I'm going to be forced to get in. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. But thank you for being here today. And let's make this week count. I'll see you next week for Serve Day. Thanks so much for listening to the Harvest Springs podcast. Our hope is that you hear the truth of God's word and that you are encouraged and challenged by it. If you would like to take your faith journey to the next level, check out the Getting Started plan on our mobile app or our website, harvestsprings.com. 
The Getting Started Plan is a seven-day video-based teaching that will help you start your relationship with Jesus off in the right direction. And if there's anything that we can do to help, just fill out a connection card on our website or on the mobile app.